カハンニャハラミタシンギョウ Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Good evening, Bodhisattvas. <laughs> so amazing how time and space are just so relative, isn't it? Like, here I am with you, and you're all in different places, and yet we're together. Can you hear me okay, Shinko? Can you hear me down in Virginia? <laughs> Who knew that your voice could carry to Virginia so easily? All you have to do is speak. So, I wanted to talk tonight about a koan. Um, Case 33 of the Book of Equanimity. Sancho's Golden Carp. And I've been thinking about this koan. Because I've been really thinking about skillful means and thinking about what's happening in the Middle East right now. I'm feeling very, very sorrowful about it. What is skillful? What's appropriate action? And what happens when we're sure about something? So the main case says attention. Wake up. Sancho asks Seppo, the golden carp passes through the net. I wonder what he has for food. Seppo said, I'll wait till you get out of the net. And then I'll tell you. Sancho said, a good teacher of 1500 monks doesn't even know what we're talking about. Sappho replied, for this old monk, as the head of a temple, affairs do multiply. Before we have Stason explain that koan, I'll explore it a bit. So a golden carp passes through the net. So imagine the student comes to Seppo, who is a wonderful teacher, and it's like, I've achieved 
I've gone through the net, not caught by anything. What do I get? What kind of food do I get? Never felt like that. Like you've kind of done something and now you're ready to lap it up. And the teacher says, Seppo says, I'll wait for you to get out of the net and then I'll tell you. So he's saying that you are not free. By announcing that you're free means you're really not. And Sanjay just doesn't like that at all. You know, so like how all of us can be, right? When we want a community or we want uh, another group of people to agree with us. A partner, a friend, child. So, like many of us, maybe, you know, so <laughs> the Sancho kind of insults the teachers, like a good teacher of 1,500 monks, you don't even know what we're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Coming right at him. Aggressive. up a reply for this old monk, the head of a temple, affairs are many. Affairs do multiply. So there's this beautiful part in this koan about, you know, that Seppo is just is allowing the student just to like come at him and not reacting. Basically, still saying, you don't know my life. You don't know my life. Hmm. One of the many reasons why I love Diane, my teacher, so much is because she has no idea about arriving anywhere. And totally engaged in process. How about you? Are you engaged with the process of your life? Are you meeting what is with some compassion? And maybe thoroughly meeting it? Whether you're at the beginning or locked in a stone grave or not wanting to be in the beginning or not wanting to be locked in a stone grave, doesn't really matter. What we want things to be is not meeting what is. Seppo was born a little while ago in 822 of the common era. 
in now what is known as the Fujian province. And at age 12, he left home to live at a temple. And he was born and when he began to come of age shortly after, as you'll, if you more you read about Chinese history, there are many times when Buddhism was like, yay, Buddhism. And then there are many times where people are losing their life for practicing. And that was, he also lived through that time. There was a great suppression of Buddhism for a period of time during his life. And so he was forced to leave the monastery. In many ways, you know, I feel like in the last year and a half, we've been forced to leave the center where we had both our physical center on 23rd Street and the little island of Manhattan, as well as all of us have had to leave whatever we thought was the center. And to me, it's like such an interesting moment to really see a mirror of who are you. It's so wonderful. Many of you have just been steadfast. Steadfast. Because the outer conditions, you know, will always change. But how we stay on the path and stay in relationship is the beauty of the practice. Peppa was forced to leave the monastery because they shut it down. Many of the monks were tortured. And he just went and found another teacher in a monastery that was still a little more remote. Traveling and traveling until they could find a place of practice. Because really the place of practice was in him. He was just looking for others to have some good company. And it was said that, you know, at this one, with Deshan, his teacher, he became the Dharma heir of his teacher at this remote monastery. And then Seppo returned to the monastery that was closed because then Buddhism was back in favor. The emperor changed. And to me, this is like this moment too, where we're with coronavirus, at least in United States where things are beginning to change again. Time to come back. And yet we're forever changed. We won't ever be the same. And neither was Sepulchre. 
but really this koan, you know, which took place when after he returned to Lotus Mountain, which was the name of the temple, is really about skillful means and about how to respond to situations as they arise. Of course, skillful means has been used to kind of use it as an excuse to not follow the precepts. So it's not about, skillful means is not about your preference. Salud. about meeting things as they are and being skillful about how you meet the moment. It really comes mainly from a text um, called the Lotus Sutra that some of you know, which became kind of popularized this kind of practice of the Paramita of Upaya, some skillful means. But it's really this not just like, oh, well, just being skillful, snaking around, but actually learning how to look at through the lens of wisdom and compassion, what serves this moment? What's actually useful? What's needed? So when someone's coming at you, what's needed? And skillful means, you know, the wonderful Buddhist historian Kanze says that skill in the means is the ability to bring out the spiritual potential of different people. So it's not about ourselves. It's about how do we foster each of our spiritual lives. Isn't that a wonderful aspiration? To consider like, wow, my actions today, how can they foster and nourish other people's spiritual lives. How do my actions support the Sangha? In many ways, that's why I've always understood this practice as really a practice of service. Getting out of the way to really think about like, how am I showing up? How can I serve? It's so beautiful as an orientation for our lives. I was talking with the precepts group over the weekend about Chodo and I, you know, Chodo has like this big anger for her. 
and I really have learned to work with that by not banging into it. But actually learning to be a bit playful with it and myself, not really taking it so personal. Which to me is part of the skillful means is similar to this exchange between Seppo and the student. When someone's coming at you, just make some room. Well, that was a lot. As some of you know, we, we call that part of Jodo Willy Whiplash. And I often just say to him, so Willy Whiplash, I'd like to speak to my husband again, please. Sometimes Willy says, not yet. <laughs> but there's something about kind of the playfulness that somehow allows for a change even in Willie Whiplash. What's it like to not have to cling so tightly to your position? Anyone ever cling tightly to your position? A couple of to me, there's like so little learning that happens when we cling tightly to our position. Not much learning. So Sancho, just tell you a little bit about him. So he was like a very accomplished and celebrated Zen student. And a disciple of Rinzai was like this great Zen teacher. Rough, rough. So his student, his disciple had some that same quality. But maybe sometimes copying a little too much. Not finding his expression yet. So I think in some ways that's what comes across because he's like the, you know, main student of this famous teacher. So he comes and meets this other wonderful teacher like so. Golden carp passes through the net. What kind of food are you gonna give me? I've passed through all hindrances. It kind of always reminds me when people say like, well, I met, I met some people who said, told me that they were enlightened. As if that's like a static destination. Like, oh, I'm gonna get off the train here at enlightenment. What a deprivation. The Seppo points to his arrogance. I'll wait till you get out of the net. Then I'll tell you. 
Smarty pants. He doesn't like that. What are the appropriate ways to respond? How do we keep adapting and modulating our response to what's needed so that it can be heard? How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you modulate so that you can actually be heard and received? In my experience, it's not when I'm in the state of reactivity myself. I've learned that when I'm feeling reactive, that I need to just sit, not to bypass, but to find a place of softness and compassion in myself so that I can radiate that out and address what needs to be addressed. So again, it's not, sometimes people say like, oh, just sit with it. It's just like, as if it's a way to bypass or squash some, something that must be raised sometimes. but how do we raise it so that we can actually shift things? But then what I love about this koan is also, it's like this pointing to like, if we come on too strong, we actually can't really hear. We can't act the same way in every situation Right. Or if we do, we just are in that kind of feeding that reactivity. I've never been in a relationship where like you keep having almost the same conversation, the same concerns, the same argument. You know, my friend V and Celeste were sharing this story that was so beautiful in this conversation we had for the summit. And <laughs> they were talking about like for 35 years, they had this like little snarkiness in their conversations, like this biting snarkiness. And it just took 35 years for them to realize it was during coronavirus over dinner. And then we realized like, maybe we don't have to do that anymore. Like it was just like, <laughs> even though they love each other, but there was this layer in their friendship that was just not very kind. It's so amazing how we get caught in those things and we create them together. 
parents, siblings, friends, Sangha members. So to me, that's another reason why I often try and you know, do my best to really consider what am I saying? And when people become formal students, I often say, you know, I, think I always say it to them that, you know, I'm sure I will disappoint you. At least at some point, if not many times. And yeah, I'm totally willing and committed to being in relationship. But it requires both of us to do that. To approach again, begin again together. To me, it's like very exciting. Because to me, like that's the place of learning. To me, that's the skillful means. Like I was talking about on Saturday, about Hong Zi, our ancestor, 47th ancestor. How he was also talking about how important mistakes are. How important mistakes are. And I added, and a sense of humor. So like learning to make mistakes together in community is is part really important part of the practice. And what I love also about this koan is that Seppo doesn't attack him. He's just like, okay. Okay, so it's welcoming and the possibility of change so that we can stand on the receptive ground of Dharma and knowing that that's underneath everything. That's always possible. To me, the challenge of the practice is to like really eat it, whatever is coming. So not asking the teacher to feed you, but to eat whatever is happening. To integrate even what feels almost impossible to integrate, to come up against the wall, come up against the barrier and know that we need to pass through it. To me, that's the path of practice. Easy to get uncomfortable or eh, and go away. That's like, no one has to practice that. <laughs> I've yet to meet someone. I'd like to meet them. <laughs> but that's actually truly helpful and transformational. Okay. 
because it's just like that way that we hold on to our ego, our small little self. But really, that just causes suffering and harm to ourselves, to Sangha, to community. Been reading a lot about Israel and Palestine. And there are so many perspectives, so many pain and so much pain. Who's right? Who's right? It's like a gross exaggeration of the harm that is caused when we're sure we're right. Do we really know what's right for someone else? To impose what's right on someone else. I don't know. At the end of the gateless gate in the Mumon Khan, Mumon cautions, the further you advance on the path, the more confusing it becomes. In the end, if you retreat, the less clearly you perceive the path. If you neither advance nor retreat, you're like a dead person. So how do you practice this living Zen? How do you do that? How do you practice what's living? And learning to explore what it is to respond to what's happening with skillful means, with compassion, with wisdom, tenderness. Instead of our habitual reactivity to emotion. So again, you know, not disparaging reactivity because it's also a place that they're saying that there's something there for us to investigate. A place to love, actually. Hmm. Hmm. So how will you find living that? Even if what you're being presented with is being trapped in a stone grave. How can you be fully alive in that? Or you're trapped in a situation of feeling what's right and what's wrong. So learning how to find that tenderness to come fully alive. Thank you.